This is the public speaker. Quick and dirty tips for improving your communication skills with your host, Lisa B. Marshall. Today, part two of How to Handle Criticism. It's a continuation from two weeks ago, so if you haven't listened to part one yet, you might want to go ahead and do that. Don't worry, we'll wait. This episode is brought to you by Squarespace.com, the fast and easy way to create and manage a high-quality website or a blog. Whether you're a beginner or an expert, it really doesn't matter because Squarespace.com has what you need. It has a photo gallery, it form builders, Google Maps, permission access handling, and really a whole lot more. There's hundreds of design templates that you can choose from, and it's very easy to customize any of the designs. You can use Squarespace for all of your website needs. You can build it, you can host it, and you can manage it. And right now they got this really great free trial. If you go to squarespace.com, you don't even need a credit card. You can just try it out, build your website, and if you like it and you want to purchase it, enter the code LISA to get 10% off. So again, that's 10% off if you enter the code L-I-S-A, LISA. Today, we'll pick up with the remaining quick and dirty tips on how to deal with criticism both professionally and gracefully. As I mentioned last time, author and speaker Beth Butler and I, we started our discussion by suggesting, specifically suggesting, that it's very unrealistic to assume that you and your ideas are always going to be well-received. We suggested that you respond and not react. That is to expect criticism and then practice positive responses. If possible, you can get clarification and then say, thanks. The problem is, even if you've done all that, you still might feel angry or frustrated or even a little upset. So find a healthy way to release those emotions, the emotions, those negative emotions that came from that critical conversation. For me, if it's a really important relationship, I don't want to say something stupid and then hurt the relationship. So for me, I allow myself to privately get angry and upset. I usually write an email. And in that email, I just allow myself to say whatever it is that I want, even things that aren't true. For me, the sole objective is to express my angry feelings. And of course, I never, ever send that email. And in fact, I always make sure to put my own name in the to field because I'm always panicked that I might accidentally send the email. For me, writing down the message, it allows me to organize my thoughts and to clarify my feelings. And After I've had time to cool off, I usually just go ahead and delete the message. And then I'm ready to face the situation much more objectively. Occasionally, I do keep the note just to remind myself of my blurred perspective when I was angry and hurt. The main point is, is that you need to plan your conversation and not have an off-the-cuff, emotionally heated discussion, especially as you're walking out the door. Many people, like my good friend Linda, they like to vent to supportive friends and coworkers. And that can be healthy, but within reason. If the friends that you choose might be negatively influenced by learning of the situation, for example, they work for the same person who criticized you, you may want to pick somebody else, someone more objective. Remember that your negativity can rub off on friends and coworkers who may not have had any existing problem with that person. So it's really not professional to be the person creating a negative culture and defeating teamwork just so that you can feel better. I think this next step may be the hardest. You need to listen and reflect. But in order to really listen, you need to first shut up, be quiet. You need to turn off all the defenses. You need to quiet down that voice in your head that wants to respond impulsively. And probably most important to me, 
I need to remember to keep my face and my body neutral. No rolling of my eyes or <sighs> sighs. After getting away from the situation, give some thought to the actual statement the person made. And then honestly ask yourself, is there a grain of truth in this? One way for me to determine if the criticism is valid is to reflect on the strength of my initial emotional response. If it strikes a nerve, I know that it must be something that's important to me. If it's only slightly irritating or even amusing, usually it's much lower on my value scale. For example, if someone criticized how I handled a particular work situation, I definitely would have stronger emotions than if someone just suggested that yellow isn't my best color. Keep in mind there's a fine line between thinking about a situation and obsessing over it. To check that, you might want to consider your motives for hanging on to the thought. Are you obsessing so that you can grow and learn, or is it because you just can't accept the criticism? Next, it's important to separate the content of the feedback from any negative emotions that you're having, or even the way that the feedback was presented. I think you have to ask yourself if the same question had been delivered gently from a caring friend, would you have given it more credence? Also, think about frequency. Have you heard this feedback from more than one source or on more than one occasion? Are the people you love and trust mentioning it to you? Is there some sort of pattern developing? If so, it may be time to give the feedback some serious consideration. I know Beth told me about a time when three different people in her life separately reminded her of a certain negative tendency, and she told me that the combined feedback helped her to understand the behavior and to make a positive change. If after you've thought about it, you decide that the criticism wasn't justified or just not particularly important, you can either ignore the comment and move on. Nothing says you have to respond to every email, for example. Or leave it at a simple, thank you for your comment. If, however, you do feel the feedback was helpful, no matter how it was delivered, contact that person by email, a note, or in person, and genuinely thank them for taking the time to point out the issue. You may even briefly want to explain the steps that you're taking to improve. Who knows? That may be the beginning of developing a very strong relationship with that person. In fact, do you remember my response to John? He had asked about how to deal with negative feedback. In that particular episode, I talked about this step in very much detail. And later, about a year later, John wrote me and he told me that his relationships, in fact, grew stronger as a result of following my advice. And he even told me, this was great, that on his annual review, how he handled the negative feedback was listed as a positive. I was so happy to hear that. The final step is to move on. And of course, that's easier said than done. You need to stick with your decision to either ignore the comment and only make a cursory response or to incorporate the feedback into your personal growth. If you choose to move on, then you need to stop your thoughts from revisiting the criticism and just replace them with the decision to move on. You can remind yourself, hey, it's done, over, fini, kaput, done. However, if you decide there's value in the feedback, then you're going to need to develop a plan to benefit from it. For example, do you need to write things down more? Do you need to make an extra effort to greet people during meetings? Do you need to practice the proper pronunciation of a particular word? Important, especially. Important, especially. The idea is that you have to do what you have to do to train yourself to benefit from the suggestion. So in review, when you're dealing with negative comments, 
you first should expect criticism and then practice responses. Buy some time and say thank you, then appropriately, and then give thought to the feedback. Decide how to respond and then move on. This is Lisa B. Marshall, the public speaker. With Beth Butler this week. Passionate about communication, our success depends upon your success. In the final installment of this three-part article, I'll discuss tips for dealing with chronically negative people, like the tattler or the curmudgeon. This podcast edition of this episode is brought to you by Squarespace.com, the fast and easy way to publish a high-quality website or a blog. For the free trial and 10% off your new account, go to Squarespace.com and use the code LISA, that's L-I-S-A. You may not know it, but today is a very special episode. It's episode number 100. And it's the two-year anniversary of the show. I've been working on the show for two years. I can't believe it. So I wanted to say thank you, thank you, thank you for listening and telling your friends about the show and for making it the success that it has been. I can't express to you how much I appreciate it. And most importantly, I really want to thank you for your trust. So many people sending me information about their personal lives, questions about difficult issues, and allowed me to help them and give them advice. And I particularly love it when somebody writes me back later and tells me about the success that they've had as a result of my advice. So I, again, I can't express to you how happy I am that the show has gotten this successful and that I've had an opportunity to meet so many people. So as a prize, I would like to have a contest. And so I'm running the second anniversary, my favorite episode contest. You can enter the contest one of two ways. You can do it on the Facebook page. That's www.facebook.com forward slash the public speaker, or you can just send out a Twitter message. What I'd like you to do is to tell me which episode is your favorite episode and include the link. Of course, you can find links to all the episodes at thepublicspeaker.quickanddirtytips.com and then just click on the all tips link. So I'll bet you're wondering what the prize is. Hmm. There's actually going to be several prizes. I'm going to give it out to a number of people. I haven't quite decided how many yet, but certainly five, maybe even 10 people will win a copy of Ace Your Interview. It's the ebook version of the audiobook that Macmillan produced. And finally, I want to say thanks to Rebecca Litwin, our intern, who put together the ebook in a fabulous format. It looks awesome. So I'm very excited to give away the new copies of the ebook Ace Your Interview. Remember to enter the contest. You just need to tell us which is your favorite episode and why very briefly. And don't forget to include the link. Thanks. If you have questions about how to communicate better at work, leave a voicemail at 206-350-7970 or email publicspeaker at quickanddirtytips.com. Sign up for Lisa's newsletter or get information about speeches and workshops by visiting lisabmarshall.com. You can find a transcript of this show and links to connect with Lisa at publicspeaker.quickanddirtytips.com.